Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our budget hearings. Hopefully, we're getting, in fact, indeed, we are getting very close to the end of the budget, and uh, this is coming up on the climax for Monday, June 17th, and I'm handing this event over to our county administrator, Matthew Heinel. Good morning, supervisors, and um, we are very excited to present our fiscal year 1920 budget. And as you mentioned, we're at the end of a process. And so for those who may be joining our process late, I just wanted to talk about, you know, this is really the culmination of a year and a half process around our two-year budget. So um, this budget is largely consistent with the budget your board, the two-year budget your board adopted last June. And as you recall, one of the goals of the two-year budget is to in the off-year budget, focus on performance management, <clears throat> which we did is that's why we spent much of the time in April hearing from the departments about their implementation of the Marine Compass program, their work plans, and long-term issues that they're facing. This budget process started in December when we sent out our instructions. We met with your board in a planning session in March. April, we heard from each department. And so what's before you is a budget that uh, I think we can all be very proud of. Uh, I, I think this is the best budget that we've put together in the last 10 years, um, and we'll s explain a little bit why that is. Um, talking a little bit about our, um, we're proud of the budget, you know. <laughs> Us budget nerds are really excited about this budget, so. No, we were, uh, we were just noting that perhaps you said that every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I have said that in 10 years. So. But we're taking it at face yeah. value, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just talk a little bit about the purpose of our workshop. So, uh, you know, we obviously want to hear from the public. So today, uh, after we present this high-level summary, we'll have opportunity for public comments. Then you'll hear from our budget team around each of our service areas, and if there are specific questions from the public around a department in that service area, we can hear those at that time. Uh, the departments, as, as I mentioned, the departments presented um, in April, each department, so at this point, each department's not presenting, but they are available to answer any questions your board may have. Um, so we'll present a high-level summary of the budget, Obviously, we're here to answer any questions you have. As is often the case, there may be follow-up issues that you want us to work on in the coming months. And so um, on Tuesday at the end of uh, a budget wrap-up, we'll talk about those uh, items for future consideration. Also on Tuesday, you'll hear from our DPW and our facility folks around the roads budget and the facilities budgets. And then you'll also hear from our special districts uh, budget and at that point it, on Tuesday afternoon, we'll ask you to adopt the budget. Um, as we've talked about, this budget is always a team effort, and I want to thank many of the people that are behind me that have worked on it over the last year and a half. I especially want to thank the fiscal officers that help us put the budget together, and then I want to thank our budget team led by Brett, uh, and includes Josh, Melissa, Anna, Soma, and Yvonne. And one of the nice things that we'll be doing, I'm looking forward to this year, is they'll be presenting the service overviews as well. So. So some highlights of the budget. As I said, this is a balanced budget consistent with the, the two-year budget plan. Um, given the strong economy, this is really uh, an opportunity to prepare for future uncertainties. And that's, you know, one of the things I want to say is as um, excited as we are about the budget and as proud as we are about the budget, 
it took a lot of work to get to this uh, structurally sound position, including, as you recall, we did about $5 million worth of belt tightening uh, last year in the budget. So we know that it, we're just one you know, economic slowdown or recession away from being out of balance, and so we need to work really hard to remain diligent to keep this balance that we found. But one of the strengths of this budget is it, for the, we're investing more in our long-term priorities that we've discussed more than we have in the past. So um, $12 million for roads and facilities, which has been a long-term need of ours. We have $3 million uh, going to affordable housing. That's on top of $4 million that your board allocated in January. And then we're also recommending $1.1 million to the Pension Stabilization Reserve. And that takes the balance to $10 million. And there are two features that, that are, are really uh, something that uh, um, us budget folks are excited about. Uh, one is that the Budget Stabilization Reserve creates a, a, a reserve account that allows us to not reduce services if we have small changes in our investment earnings. Um, the other thing that we like is this facility reserve uh, contributions that we're making. We're using that as a budget stabilizer. So in other words, we're going to contribute one to five million to our facilities reserves. And if the budget's not balanced, we, we can adjust that downward without reopening our budget and reducing services. So those are two new features that um, we wanted to highlight today. So the budget is, you know, is also um, making recommendations that are consistent with our community priorities, uh, investing in uh, county infrastructure, and that's inclusive of roads, facilities, and uh, IT investments, uh, and Brett will talk a little bit about that. Certainly a top priority is emergency preparedness. So this budget has $600,000 worth of uh, funds set aside for the Lessons Learned account, as well as uh, updating our emergency operation plans for those with accessible and functional needs, as well as a business continuity plan that will help us deal with issues such as the PG&E public uh, shutdowns. Um, preserving and creating affordable housing, we just heard uh, last week about multiple efforts that we're doing in that area, and this budget adds $3 million to our affordable housing trust. Uh, addressing sea level rise, this budget uh, makes our funding for the Bayway Group ongoing, as well as adds $500,000 for projects uh, for sea level rise among our local jurisdictions. And then prioritizing racial equity, um, this budget includes the, the work plan that would be updating our equity plan with our new equity director. Um, pre-apprenticeship programs that are targeted to Marin City and the Canal District, census outreach, and as your board recalls, we are reducing fees in parks and reducing fines, uh, eliminating fines actually in the library to make sure that our services are accessible to all members of our community. And can I stop you for a second, yes. Matthew? Supervisor Arnold has a question. Thank you. Yes. How much are we putting aside for emergency preparedness? So it, the, the total is about 600000 so it's 250000 to replenish the uh, Lessons Learned account. It's 250000 to uh, fund the revised emergency operation plan for access and fun functional needs, mm -hmm. and $100,000 for our business continuity plan. 
So um, talking about these uh, community priorities, your board recalls we asked our residents whether they agreed with them, and fortunately you can see that they very much aligned with our community priorities. In fact, the top two, investing in county infrastructure and improving disaster preparedness were 87 and 91 percent thought it was very important or essential. And so certainly this budget invests in those areas as well. Uh, speaking to capital needs, one of the themes of this budget is um, not only funding $5 million for our annual uh, capital improvement plan, but putting aside another $5 million in a facilities reserve, taking the balance from $11 million to $16 million. And our goal is to, to raise about $40 million over the next few years so that we are in a position to address these uh, high priority capital needs. And what you rec may recall from April, this is something we've traditionally done is we blended one-time money with financing. Uh, when you look at the health campus that we did a few years ago or the Marine Commons, both of them were a combination of one-time monies as well as financing. And so we really need to build up our one-time reserve to be able to address these issues going forward. And then uh, as far as emerging issues are concerned, you know, in addition to funding about 600,000 worth of emergency preparedness, a big effort that we're doing is working with all the fire agencies in the county around developing a, a, a countywide wildfire prevention um, program, which would not only identify an organization that would become responsible for that, but also find ongoing funding for that. And we're looking at a potential ballot measure in March of 2020 to raise the funds to support that effort. Um, you know, I think it, it, with the idea of being ever diligent, you know, one of the concerns we have going forward are shifts in federal policy, being the safety net community for our, for our uh, county. Um, any shifts in public policy around safety net services has a big impact, and we can't generally fund those if those programs are reduced substantially. So we'll be monitoring that over the next several years. We've talked about sea level rise and deferred maintenance and affordable housing. Um, as I said, we're doing multiple strategies in that area. One thing we'll be monitoring is potential state requirement changes over the coming year around affordable housing. So just taking a look at a few indicators that we've tracked over the last 10 years. Um, so what you can see our pavement condition index. Um, for the first time in over 10 years, we're actually seeing a dip in that. Uh, that indicator. Uh, you'll be hearing from DPW on Tuesday afternoon. We'll be investing over the next two years approximately $24 million for our summer road program. So we're, we're going to be working to try to change that uh, and, and put it back in a positive direction. And then the last thing I just want to go over before I turn it over to Brett is uh, our retiree obligations. And one of the things you'll hear from Brett is being a slow growth county, one of our challenges is that we now have more retirees than we have current employees. So we have to continually make sure that we're tracking our retiree obligations and making sure that we can afford them going forward. And we've made great progress over the last seven years. We've reduced our obligations by $300 million. And if you look, um, much of that is around the pension system and investment earnings. So that has been reduced by about $180 million. 
we're now 90% funded at MSERA, which you know compares very favorably to other local uh, agencies. I think most CalPER agencies are in the mid 60s percent funding, um, so that we've made progress on that. And then in the area of retiree health, that's something where the county has, on a discretionary basis, set aside more money, and we've reduced our obligations by $100 million, and that's in almost entirely attributable to setting aside money into a retiree trust. So we now have over $100 million in our retiree trust that reduces our obligations, and we've earned over $10 million in investments to help support that. So um, we're proud about those efforts as well. So with that high-level overview, I'm going to turn it over to Brett, and he'll go into more details. Thank you. Good morning, Brett. Thank you, Matthew. Good morning, Supervisors. My name is Brett Uppendahl. I'm the County's Budget Manager. And this morning, I'll spend a few slides going over kind of the broader economic outlook facing our county, as well as some long-term projections for our budget. Um, then we'll get into a few slides on the actual numbers within the budget. Um, and then at the end, we'll do an overview of the one-time allocations and um, talk about the significant baseline adjustments that are contained within this year's budget. Um, the slide you see in front of you here is a, kind of a summary of, of uh, what Matthew touched on a few times in terms of where we are um, in our economic outlook. Um, we are just about to set an all-time record for sustained economic growth. This makes a 10-year uh, economic expansion since the Great Recession of 2009. Um, we've heard nothing but positive news coming from the state budget. Um, and I think the last couple of years have had actions to pay down their debts and establish their own reserves, a rainy day fund as they call it. Um, we do know that they have volatile revenue sources um, in terms of income tax and sales tax, and we're seeing the good side of that volatility in the last few years, so that's been um, very positive. Um, in terms of the investment markets, um, and those have a, a significant impact on our pension rates here, um, again, nothing but good news the last couple years. I think as we were um, looking in December when there was 13 or 14 percent declines in the market, um, I think that, that certainly set, set off the alarm bells internally. Although, um, you know, since then, things have rebounded pretty steadily, um, and certainly over the last few years, there's been good gains there. So, again, positive news there. Um, in terms of um, uncertainties going forward, and Matthew touched on a few of those, but I think, you know, with the federal budget and the trade policies, we're continuing to keep our eye on how that impacts our county. And then the future recession, um, and as I mentioned, we're at the, you know, the top end. We're at 10 years into our economic expansion. Uh, that would tend to imply that uh, we're closer probably toward the end than we are to the beginning. And so depending on the timing and severity of that, um, that's something we'll have to keep on continually evaluating for our budget. Um, here in Marin County, um, yeah, I think the, the key uh, pieces of our long-term budget outlook, as Matthew mentioned as well, is that we are a slow growth county. I have a couple slides on that right after here to explain what that means, um, but that tends to be the overriding kind of long-term um, um, framework for our general fund at least, in terms of what we can and can't do uh, with revenues and expenses. Um, we are, uh, again, getting most uh, uh, advice from economic projections saying that they think the growth will continue for at least two more years, although there's much less certainty past 2022. And so you'll see in our long-term projections that you know, we, we have a balanced budget for the next two years as well, and we'll have to reevaluate after that. Um, we're seeing stable local revenues, um, and that's because we're highly financed by a property tax, which is a stable revenue source, and that's a good thing. Um, it is limited on, on the high end for the growth, um, both by Prop 13 as well as uh, some of the uh, characteristics of the Marin market, um, primarily being low turnover. Um, and then, um, you know, internally for our budget as well, we, we've seen increased personnel expenses, both for salaries and for benefits. Um, some of the benefit costs have leveled off in recent years, uh, but we are projecting over the long term those to continue to rise. Um, Matthew did mention as well, we have more retirees than current employees. 
And so what that really does is it just magnifies the impact of our, of our pension um, of, our, of our pension market or pension costs and the investment market on our current um, budget. And then finally, as we've talked about the last few years, uh, the countywide infrastructure needs. Uh, we currently have over $220 million in deferred um, road and facility maintenance. Um, that does not include improvements or enhancements. It's just to kind of maintain pace with what we currently have. Um, that's obviously a big number, and so um, you know, we're making positive steps in the right direction towards funding that, um, but that is something we'll continue to focus on over the next few years. Um, when we talk about a slow growth county here in Marin, um, these are three of the, the main factors that contribute to that. And uh, many times what we're talking about with slow growth is just the limitations on our revenue, how much revenue our county budget can, uh, can, can receive each year. Uh, one of the uh, limiting factors there is our population trends. And so that top box there um, shows that uh, Marin County ranks last in the Bay Area in terms of annual population growth. Uh, I know we grow less than half a percent per year on average over the last 30 years whereas the Bay Area average is over one and a half percent. So we're losing ground compared to our um, similar counties here in the Bay Area. Um, in terms of its impact on property tax itself, um, you know, typically a jurisdiction with high property tax revenue will have you know, a good, a good uh, portion of commercial properties, they'll have new construction, and they'll also have a growing population. Um, here in Marin, we really don't have any of those. Um, our population is flat, as I mentioned. Our commercial property is uh, relatively flat as well, and we don't get much new construction, as I'll show in the next couple slides. And then finally, on the, on the green box down there, that really talks about our, the unincorporated areas of Marin. Um, as a county, uh, you know, a, a large portion of our uh, revenue base can come from unincorporated areas. However, here in Marin County, you know, sales tax uh, lags behind um, other counties of similar size in the sense that our unincorporated areas don't generate as much sales tax. In fact, about half as much per capita than our comparable counties. And hotel tax, um, you know, again, while we do have strong revenues there and they've been increasing, they still don't compare to some of our neighbors like San Francisco and uh, 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 San Mateo County and also Napa County and, and Sonoma in terms of the actual tourism uh, revenue that, that generated by hotel tax. And so one of the biggest, um, you know, kind of uh, consequences or, you know, out, outgrowths of the low, uh, the slow growth here is our assessed value. And that really speaks to um, what we get from property tax revenues. Um, and so this is a slide we've had, you know, uh, before we for the past few years, and we've updated it again this year. Um, this just shows the kind of ebb and flow in, in the, the assessed value here in Marin County over the last 20 years. You know, our 20-year average is about 5.5%. It shows here 5.7%. Um, you know, since the Great Recession of 2012, where we've kind of bounced back and had one good year of 7%, we've, we've been kind of coalescing around this, you know, 5 to 5.5% 5 .5 range the last three or four years. Um, which has been good, that's allowed us to have a balanced budget, it's allowed us to increase services in some areas, but it hasn't been enough to produce growth in our budget. And so um, this is something, again, that's limited by our slow growth, um, and it really does drive a lot of our discretionary spending here in the county, as uh, property tax is about 40% of our general fund revenue, and so this is really one of the biggest determinants of how much discretionary revenue we do have. This slide here um, actually overlays that same blue line in terms of our assessed value, and it compares it to uh, median home prices. So I think the, the typical uh, response to, you know, why does Marin County not have much property tax revenue when all we hear in the headlines is how much, uh, how expensive the housing market is. And I think this shows you just how volatile the median prices can be and what a stabilizing influence the assessed value really is. And if you look through that graph over the last 15 or 20 years, you know, they have three or four years of, you know, 15% or so growth. And you also have two or three years of 15% or so uh, decline. And so. Um, over the long term, I think uh, it benefits us to have more of a slow growth in terms of, you know, property tax and stability here, um, but it is a little bit counterintuitive because when you read in the papers, you're seeing all these the big spikes in median, median sales prices. 
And then finally, in terms of how you know the property tax here in Moran compares to other counties, uh, this slide here shows the, f the four building blocks of what's typically in a, in a county property tax growth each year. You know, each of each of the counties got our Prop 13 um, cap of two percent per year. We tend to get you know another two to three percent on sales and reassessments. Um, but what we don't get here in Marin that typical counties do get is we don't have much new construction. Um, across California, the average is about one and a half percent, you know, in terms of growth per year that you get from new construction. Uh, we're not getting that here in Marin, and we're getting you know far less than that. And so, our property tax projections of about five to five and a half percent um, per year are about a percent and a half lower than most counties across the across the state. And so, what does that all mean in terms of our long-term um, general fund projections? Uh, the slide here uh, tries to portray that and. This is actually a much improved picture um, than we had a year or two ago with the sense that the first three years are largely balanced. Uh, I think you know, two or three years ago we were projecting declines over the long term. I think uh, you know, positive news over the last uh, couple months certainly um, in terms of um, property tax rates here, in terms of reduced pension costs resulting from uh, good market earnings, as well as the, uh, the new ERAF revenues that we're getting. We're really helping balance this budget. Um, it's balanced in the first year there for 1920. Uh, the next two years, 2021 um, 20, 20, and 2021-22, they're both basically balanced. That's a you know $300,000 shortfall, and that's something that, as Matthew mentioned, we can dial back with the pension stabilization reserve that we do have. I mean, excuse me, with the facility um, investments as a budget stabilizer. Um, and then in the out years there, years four and years five, we are projecting continued slowdown there. However, for context, that's less than 1% of our overall budget. So. Um, you know, barring any significant changes, we think that's something we can certainly deal with, um, and we'll, we'll reassess over the next two-year budget cycle. I did want to point out that um, this chart, um, kind of the key assumptions here, it assumes a little bit of a continued slowdown in terms of overall revenue, um, but does not include any projections for a recession. Um, we're kind of con assuming kind of the continued glide path we've seen over the last few years in terms of um, local revenues. We aren't projecting at this point any significant changes to state or federal revenues. Um, it does, however, include a 3% COLA uh, over each, each of the five years for all of our county employees, um, and it uh, does not include any uh, changes in service levels over the five years. And so for the next few slides here, I'll kind of dig a little bit deeper into the actual numbers contained in the current budget. Um, as we've mentioned a few times, we have a balanced budget this year. Um, barring any significant changes, we'll have a balanced budget over the next three years. Uh, the current countywide all funds budget is six hundred and thirty uh, million dollars, and that's actually almost a seven percent increase, six point nine percent increase from the year before. Um, our budget has over two thousand three hundred employees, um, which is another one point four percent increase compared to the prior year. It maintains all current services and does include a three percent cost of living for our county workers and our CBO contracts. Um, it also contains new ongoing funding for roads and facilities, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, as well as an increased baseline expenditures for mental health residential services. Um, and then as a result of a healthy budget this year and, and good revenues and salary savings, it also has $13.8 million in one-time funds um, that we are um, recommending to invest in our highest community priorities, and those will be detailed later in this presentation as well. Um, this slide, again, just kind of breaks down how we get our revenue here in the county. Um, these percentages don't change much from year to year. Um, there was a slight change in terms of taxes and, and state and federal revenues by 1%, but again, very, very similar to prior years. But as you can see here, those are the two largest revenue um, uh, sources for the county with taxes coming in countywide over 40% and another third of our budget coming from state and federal revenues for a lot of our mandated services. I'm skipping ahead to the expenditure side. 
uh, as you can see here, you know, the county is uh, in the service industry, so the largest part of our budget by far is our salaries and benefits for our county employees, coming in this year at 60%. And again, these, these figures don't change much from year to year. Um, this year, salaries and benefits went down by 1% as an overall share, and that's because we had a, a higher than expected one-time um, one budget for, uh, for our one-time projects that tend to be non-staff related, and so you'll see a, a little bit of a bump in service and supplies and a little bit of a reduction in salaries and benefits, but like I said, mostly flat from year to year in this category. And I think, you know, what I wanted to show here is, you know, given the fact that 60% of our uh, budget is for salaries and benefits is, is kind of how the overall FTE uh, in terms of our county employee count or position count has changed over the years. And so this slide shows you the last 15 or so years of, of, F of FTE. Um, you can see that in 07, 08, right before the re last recession, we had um, 2,245 employees in the county. We had to make significant reductions over the next few years to get our budget back in balance. We had about a 10% reduction in our, in our uh, workforce, and that brought us down to right around 2,000 FTE. You know, since then, we've been able to add, ser add services across the county to the point where now we're at the highest staffing levels of all time. Um, I think that's good news um, in the sense that most of it's been cost covered, most of it's been funded by state and federal um, funding, as well as some um, local funding here for specific services. So. In terms of us being able to provide services to the community and enhance our staffing levels, I think we're in a good place there. Um, certainly, the more staff we have has other um, uh, consequences in terms of facilities and other costs, but I think, like I said, most of this has been cost covered by state and federal um, programs, so it's been good to be able to add additional services here within our community. And then finally, in terms of net county costs, this kind of gets a little bit more specific to the general fund, but this really describes you know, where we're spending our discretionary funds. Um, and then, you know, being a county, and, you know, the, the health and safety mandates that we have here um, certainly show themselves by this chart, and that shows you that well over 50% of our budget goes towards health and human services and public safety when you combine the two. Um, and again, these, these have not changed much over the past few years either as we've maintained a relatively steady budget. Um, if anything, health and human services has increased slightly as a percentage of general fund investments, but again, by less than 1%. So, so um, here's a summary of the changes that are included in this year's budget. Um, and what I don't have here is actually that we have a 3% COLA across all um, departments and across all funds. And so um, that's one major driver of the change within our budget. But um, the 6.9% countywide increase also reflects uh, one-time allocations as well as growth in our special revenue funds. And again, it does include our ongoing investments in roads and facilities. Um, going down the list there, we do have $4 million extra in the budget this year for road maintenance. Um, we have another $4 million contribution to the facility reserve, and those are new compared to prior years. Uh, we do have another $1.8 million in one-time projects in the Major A Parks and, Parks and Open Space Fund. Um, we have $1.6 million in new spending for mental health, um, substance abuse, and housing services within the HHS Operations Fund. And then there at the bottom, we do this year reflect uh, $1.5 million in services for West Marin Housing and Emergency Services, and that's all funded by Major A, the TOT, uh, uh, tax that was passed last fall. Uh, kind of breaking it down into uh, revenues and expenditures in terms of the big categories, you know, property tax, if you add all the sources together, is increasing by 8% this year. And what that is is a core increase of our core property tax of five and a quarter, and then also the additional $8 million in ERAF revenue that we're recognizing this year, um, adding up to 8.1% overall in that category. Uh, state and federal revenues, again, largely for our mandated services, are increasing by 4.5%, and that really just kind of follows the expense patterns there, uh, primarily in HHS. There is some, some level of uh, uh, public safety there as well. Um, fees and service charges, 
Um, this is a bit of an anomaly. Um, there are, um, obviously, there we do um, across the board um, fee increases each year to keep pace with inflation, so there's a 2% kind of uh, natural increase there. We also had some um, updated fees in terms of the um, building fund this year and the, uh, and the environmental health services and some other permitting fees. But the big number that's changing there is kind of a technical adjustment you may hear a few times this morning in terms of how we're accounting for our replacement charges or um, internal service charges. And so um, some of those are being recognized now as revenues to a special revenue fund, and we'll get into more of the detail later in that, but that is driving the overall fees and service charges number up higher than um, prior years. Um, sales tax, again, a 6% increase. Um, a lot of that, uh, the majority of our sales tax comes through our Major A Parks Fund. Um, we are seeing some increase in our, in our general fund baseline there of about $600,000. Um, I guess apples to apples, we'd be, we'd be expecting about 2 to 3% increase there, but I think we had a baseline adjustment in the general fund there um, to reset based on recent actuals. Um, similarly, in transient occupancy tax, we have a, a baseline increase for our core TOT revenues up to $5 million. And then we have the additional um, Measure W, uh, Westmarin uh, TOT, that is, is driving that number up as well. Um, on the expense side, uh, I think salaries and benefits, we have the, you know, the standard 3% COLA that's in there, plus we have some expanded staffing, primarily in HHS, that's driving that number a little higher than one would expect. Um, and then we look at our pensions and retiree health, and I think for the first time, and this is good news certainly, we're seeing a, a reduction there, and that's, you know, that's almost entirely driven by the good investment returns from MSERA over the last few years. We're seeing a leveling off there in terms of the pension costs. Um, other benefits are kind of right in line, about 2%. Um, and then you see a 7.8% increase in our service and supplies, and that really represents our one-time expenses this year um, in roads, and our affordable housing is, is captured within that line as well. Um, and then again, on the, on the bottom line there, other charges. I mean, it's a small base, but what that includes is a little bit of our capital investment, so that's capturing our facility reserve. And there's also a little bit of technical changes there for how we are accounting for our replacement fund. Um, I think that pretty much covers this slide. Again, the uh, you know, overall increase is 6.9%, and most of these categories are generally in line with what we expected over the two-year budget plan, with the exception of the ones I highlighted there um, on that slide. In terms of how we look at expenses by service area, you know, we do have five service areas, um, and each of these, again, are you know, relatively uh, close to what we expected within um, in terms of the overall expenses. Um, public safety, that one is actually lower than the trend, you know, only, a per, only half a percent, and that's largely because there was a one-time expense in last year's budget for the AB109 fund. That's now dropped off this year, and so you're kind of sitting, seeing a reset back to its overall level um, of ongoing expenses. Um, the HHS service area does have cost-covered adjustments for its mandated services. Um, we have increased general fund contributions for mental health and homeless services. Um, we also have a cost-of-living adjustment for our community partners within HHS. Um, with CDA and DPW, a lot of the increase there you're seeing is for our increased road maintenance, um, and also, as I mentioned a few times, the, the replacement funds that we're accounting for differently this year. And then community services there at the bottom, we do have a little blip in there in terms of our one-time major parks and open space projects that are showing themselves in this year's budget. One-time expenditures, and again, this goes back to the current year budget. Um, the total one-time expenditures we're recommending this year is $13.8 million. Uh, that does include eight additional FTE, and those are all fixed-term FTE to, to handle projects over the next two to three years. Um, the list in front of you here are the countywide expenses, or the countywide uh, recommendations, and it does include $3 million for the summer road program, uh, $3 million contribution to the Affordable Housing Trust, uh, $1.1 million to bring the um, pension stabilization reserve up to $10 million. We also have um, $500,000 for Bay Wave projects next year, or other sustainability projects. 
uh, $250,000 to refill the lessons learned um, fund for emergency preparedness initiatives. Um, we have an additional $250,000 to update our planning for emergency access and needs planning for, um, for the, our functional needs community. Uh, we also have $250,000 for uh, uh, improvements in, uh, in, in, in West Marin in terms of the, the tourism there. Uh, we have $150,000 to implement a single-use plastic ban ordinance over the next two years. And we also have $100,000, as Matthew mentioned, to update our own internal business continuity planning. As we look at our technology investments, uh, these add up to a little bit over $1.8 million this year. Um, they're, they're spread across the county. Um, number one there is a, trying to improve our, uh, our software systems and our justice departments, and this covers a, a variety of departments, district attorney, public defender, as well as a little bit of probation in the courts. Um, it's an old software there, um, so this includes one FTE to really kind of take, uh, analyze what, what's needed going forward, and also to update some outdated um, servers and equipment. Um, we also have $500,000 for our digital network infrastructure, and those are just a collection of routers and switches across the county that are you know, well past replacement um, dates. Um, we also have $400,000 to um, improve our CDA permit tracking system, and that's primarily for our environmental health services um, permits. Um, and then we have $210,000 for uh, disaster recovery, and that's a lot of just uh, backup and storage and cloud type things internally to IST. Um, and then IST is also under undertaking a digital infrastructure and strategic plan process this year to update a lot of the, the backbones of our strategic plans on the IST side of the house. And then there at the bottom, we are beginning to uh, make upgrades to our tax assessment software systems. And that's gonna be $90,000 next year. And then this next list here is the, the department budget change proposals. Um, this it totals $3.4 million. And again, there's, there's various fundings over the next two to three years. I think on the top there, uh, CDA, uh, we're making some investments there in terms of the, the planning division, um, environmental health and sustainability. Uh, in many cases, it's to continue a lot of the projects that we've already started and make sure we're uh, getting the right staffing support to keep those going, as well as $450,000 to begin updating the countywide plan, um, specifically there for the stream conservation um, ordinance. Um, we also have funding for uh, new wildfire protective gear in the fire department. Um, the third one down there, Public Works, I think this is a really good program that we've uh, begun to expand, and that's called our Structural Elevation Program. And what that is is it's uh, adding additional staff to help uh, make sure we can funnel as much um, federal FEMA dollars here towards uh, 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 individual homeowners so that they can raise their houses basically to get out of um, areas of flood risk. Um, we also have, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, um, a new voting system we're going to be implementing over the next year. And so this is staffing to make sure we have a, a, a successful outcome there for our voting system in the next elections. Um, the public defender is also adding staff here to uh, improve their immigration casework. Um, to have a dedicated uh, a staff member for immigration cases on the public defender side. Uh, within the sheriff, we're adding a, um, a staff member for public communications to enhance our uh, um, public communications efforts there in the sheriff's office. And then we're also replacing uh, mobile data computers that are the computers on board in, in the sheriff vehicles. Uh, within HHS, we're investing $200,000 to um, complete the age-friendly planning process and begin to have some seed money for some internal projects there, and that's a a joint effort across many of our, our departments as well as members of our community to uh, make sure we have uh, age-friendly uh, uh, resources and programs across the county. Um, and we're also increasing our, our support of our housing, um, housing focused shelter programs by $85,000. Um, we're adding $100,000 to the district attorney budget for this year um, to make sure they have resources for immigration policies and, and training uh, regarding our re mandated responsibilities there. 
and the probation department's adding a digital kiosk uh, in their office to help uh, exp expedite a lot of the services that they provide their clients um, in terms of check-ins and bill pay and whatnot. Um, and then in the cultural services at the Marin Center, um, we have funding set aside there to upgrade their sound system and also to replace the radios. And then finally on the bottom for the assessor's office, we have funding to make sure we um, keep up our training for our uh, assessors there for the Board of Equal Vision. Uh, this slide here I wanted to spend a couple minutes on, and this is our ongoing and cost-covered budget change proposals. We haven't discussed much of these over the last few weeks, and so I wanted to highlight what's going on here. Um, really what's happening is that uh, these are two, in this case, Health and Human Services and Ag Weights and Measures. They've made proposals to us um, to, to either redirect, in HHS's case, to redirect a county match towards um, an enhanced service. Um, and so in that case, what it, what it is is the Healthy Family Home Visiting Program, and that really gets that early, early childhood development. And so with some of the changes in the state funding, there, when, what we used to have as a required match for an old service is now being taken, taken over by the uh, Partnership for Health organization. And so they're proposing to redirect our, our match um, towards expanding this program. And, and that's something that's not mandated, but it's something that, that uh, I think uh, really helps uh, certainly, you know, uh, in terms of the uh, HHS equity plan, in terms of a lot of the programs they're doing, really helps expand our services there. And for ag weights and measures, uh, they've got a windfall of revenue this year in terms of um, you know, when we get new gas tax, they actually get a portion of that gas tax um, called the unclaimed gas tax. And the state budget includes more um, high-risk uh, pest exclusion funds for them. And so working with them to come up with a good, good um, recommendation on how to spend those revenues within their department, we have improvements to the MOCA program, which is our organic certification program, as well as an enhanced uh, funding for our livestock protection program that includes staff um, as well as some software to, to get more efficient with our MOCA program. It also includes $100,000 in facility improvements for that department as we're looking to uh, uh, move them into the Marin Commons Center over the next couple years. Um, in terms of the significant baseline adjustments, and I think we've talked about most of these, um, but they kind of list them here all, all in one place. We do have a million dollars in additional baseline adjustments for uh, residential um, mental health services, nearly $200,000 for um, ongoing emergency housing support and permanent housing support as well as $400,000 in mandated costs that we have to uh, help support our, our alcohol and drug services within the uh, drug Medi-Cal um, program. In terms of countywide facilities, we are adding $4 million, as we talked about, to the, uh, uh, contribute to the facility reserve. Um, in public works, we're seeing not only invest in, in increased general fund investments for road maintenance of $4 million, but we also have increased gas tax and TAM Measure AA funds of $600,000 that are being invested back into our roads. Uh, as I talked about a little earlier, Measure W, the uh, TOT measure in West Marin, that impacts both fire and CDA, and so we're accounting for those in a new special revenue fund. And then you will see some technical changes, uh, particularly later this, this morning as we talk about the service areas for how we're accounting for our um, technology and vehicle replacement funds within IST and DPW. So, you know, as I conclude my slides here, I think, you know, as Matthew mentioned, you know, this is one of the best budgets we've had in about 10 years. The budget's in really good shape. I think that's positive news, especially if the economy continues growing or at least has a soft landing. I think, you know, the list here is some of the things that we're keeping our eyes on going forward. I think we've talked a couple, you know, times this morning about retiree obligations and, you know, what, you know, what may happen in the investment market, you know, how tariff and trade policy may impact those going forward. And the good news is we have our stabilization reserve, so it shouldn't impact us immediately, but certainly something we still take a look at. You know, sales tax, you know, we're certainly at the high end of the economic cycle, so those revenues have been good. Uh, both here locally and in some of the ways that we get, you know, the benefit of the statewide sales tax through realignment. Um, you know, we'll have to keep our eyes on, on the projections for those as, as I think those have a potential to, to drop quickly. 
Um, our property tax base, you know, again, it's very stable. It's been a good source of revenue, but we are seeing slowing, um, slowing growth rates. And there are some potential changes to the tax code that we'll keep our eyes on in, in partnership with the assessor and the, uh, the finance director. And then, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, many times this morning and, and certainly over the last few years, facilities and roads, um, you know, not only do we have deferred maintenance there, we also have increasing costs for construction. Um, and then as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, our estimates for our deferred maintenance do not include improvements or enhancements. Uh, they really just kind of keep pace with where we're at. And so, you know, finding a, a, a good way to fund those going forward so we don't fall behind uh, will be continue to be a challenge for us. Um, but I said all in all, it's a very positive budget. It's a good budget um, this year. Um, and I think, you know, uh, over the next steps will be um, to hear any public comment this morning. Um, then we'll get into uh, uh, overview of service areas, kind of uh, getting a little bit more detailed with each with each uh, department budget. Um, tomorrow we'll come back and talk about the special districts and the capital improvement program. Um, and then at the end of the day tomorrow we'll have the, the adoption of the county budget. We'll identify any follow-up issues there. Um, the state budget is um, in the process of being adopted today, so we'll keep our eyes on the impacts there and we'll make plans accordingly. And then we'll come back to your board um, next fall with the updated long-term projections and the kickoff for the next two-year budget cycle. So that completes my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Brett. Any questions from the board? Supervisor Rice. Yeah, Brett, so um, thank you. That was the best budget presentation <laughs> yet. I'll wait till tomorrow In to say it's the years. best budget. <laughs> um, on your last slide around up, updating, coming back with updated long-term projections, I was actually going to ask a question about sort of longer-term projections. So I was looking at slide, the slide um, 16, where you're um, showing us um, uh, at 22, at 2023-24, uh, um, having that 3.9 million dollar deficit, which I know isn't huge, and in, in the um, as a percentage of our total budget. But I'm so in a in a nutshell that um, I'm I'm gathering that means that our projected revenue growth is being outpaced by what we anticipate our expenses to be. Yeah, that's exactly right, and um, that's kind of a, you know, a fundamental piece of our budget, and that really has to go with that slow growth idea, and I think, um, you know, over the long term, what our core revenues are and our core expenses are just a little bit mismatched, and particularly once we start seeing slower property tax growth over the long term, and so, I mean, this includes kind of basically a fixed 3% COLA for, for employees, but it, in, it includes a gradual slowing of our revenues in terms of property tax and sales tax, and so... To the extent that those continue to diverge, that's what creates this, uh, you know, longer-term um, imbalance. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen for at least three to four years. You know, all things being the same, and so we'll have time to adjust to that. Okay. So, but in terms of, um, so what I'm, I was going to, maybe there's no relationship, but I was, I'm wondering if you could just speak to it anyway. So we um, talk about how we actually now have more retirees than current employees, and that's even with us sort of. Um, regaining um, where we were in terms of our employee base from pre-recession. So I'm just wondering to what do, what's our, what are our projections with regards to that retiree employee ratio and does it uh, feed into our projections with regards to um, where our divergence of revenues and expenses go going forward? So I think the idea of having more retirees than current employees is that, you know, the volatility, if there are changes in the stock market, I think those hit us disproportionately hard. I think that the way that this, this five-year projection, I think we're, we're taking a lot from Emissera on, on what they're telling us our costs will be. And so they're accounting for all that and kind of change in the makeup between our current employees and our retirees. 
And so uh, I think actually over time our pension rates are expected to go down, you know, each year, you know, small rates, you know, if we get our 7% investment target. And so, you know, this doesn't particularly account for that mix. I think what we're just saying is that, you know, if there are significant changes in the stock market, they tend to hit us disproportionately harder than other counties that have a growing employee base to kind of absorb the cost. Mm -hmm. All right, and hence the strategy, strategy with the pension stabilization funds, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So then my only other question was on the um, last slide, one of those last slides. Um, the budget changes, where is that BCP list? That number is that. Oh, well maybe it's the one after. Um, some of the extra, oh, I hear it is, uh, slide 29. Um, so with regards to those adjustments, um, they're not all, so I'm looking at the residential placement for mental health services at a million dollars. Um, is that coming out of our general fund? So yes, it is, and, and the thing there is that, you know, we've seen increasing costs each year for the past four or five years in terms of how much it costs our county to provide those services. Those are mandated costs for us, and, and the big piece there is that we just we don't have enough facilities that we own or that are of local control, and so we're having to find the best fit, sometimes at a higher cost than, than, we, would, than we would like to see. Again, those are going up each year. They're a cost that we can't avoid, um, and so we've tended to, you know, in the, mid, in the middle of the year, put one-time funds there to kind of get through each year, and so this is an attempt to try to get ahead of that a little bit, try to contain the costs, but it's certainly not enough to fix the problem over the long term. And that's also then why we're trying to create some more um, beds, residential beds here within the county to save ourselves longer term. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're working with HHS and DPW to see how we can repurpose the property we own at 920 Grand in San Rafael. That should hopefully um, provide a little bit more local control over that and give us a better mix of uh, services for, for the need. Okay, and then with regards to these other, the other items, they're not all coming out of general fund. Um, they're all, they're, there's a variety of sources there. Just yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's not all just general fund here. This is countywide. I would say the majority there are general fund impacts, um, but yeah, there is a mix there with gas tax and major AA at the bottom, and as well as the major W and the replacement funds. I guess the last three lines are all non-general fund or primarily non-general fund. Thank you. Any other questions for Brett? Okay, seeing none. Thank you, Brett. Excellent presentation. It was particularly helpful to have the summary of the budget changes and the pro proposed one-time expenditures all in one place. Get us focused. Good job. Actually, this is our time. Is there anyone here from the public who would like to comment on the presentation we've just heard? If so, please come forward. Seeing no one, we have a lot of really, yes, oh, you can come up. Oh, come on. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Mike Tribble, Marin County Fire Department, Firefighters Association. Madam President, members of the board, I come before you today to thank you for your support of the Marin County Fire Department. Over my 20-year career, you've helped us to expand our capabilities for response in the areas of water rescue and adding our coastal seasonal ambulance, adding a crew program, and recently expanding that program. Our seasonal firefighter program has tripled in size over my career, and we've just recently added a dedicated defensible space program, our Vegetation Management and Fire Prevention Bureau has almost tripled in size, and we've increased our administrative and support staff. We've expanded our fleet to almost three times the size it was when I started so that we have adequate apparatus to respond to incidents out of county and maintain our fleet at home. The one area that we've neglected since 1974 
is our staffing in the stations. We've discussed with the fire chief a proposal for the redeployment of the personnel that we have now that would enhance our response capabilities and expand paramedic coverage. We know that the board is waiting on a staffing study that they commissioned. We ask only that you begin seriously considering a plan to increase our staffing on the front lines to give us the ability to adequately respond to incidents and to have the organizational elasticity that a modern fire department needs. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Good morning. It'll be fine. It'll pick up. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Bob Breyer, president of the Marin Professional Firefighters. I also served 32 years in the, uh, the Southern Marin Fire District, uh, retired as a battalion chief. Today I'm here to, again, uh, speak on staffing and increasing our staffing. I'd like to see the board, this, uh, along with the fire chief, to actually develop a plan and implement a plan. Now, I know there's a study going out there, but we want to take that uh, information that's gathered and have that weighed into developing a plan and implementing that plan that will increase our staffing. Currently, uh, five of the stations, five of the six stations in the, the Marin County Fire Department are staffed with two personnel. Uh, the standard nationally is four, and we're just asking for this to be increased to three. Uh, most of the north end of Marin, uh, San Rafael, Marinwood, and, and uh, Novato all have three-person engine companies. So um, it's kind of nice to listen to the budget hearing here today. Uh, the other departments that have increased staffing, um, so this shouldn't be anything new to the supervisors. I also want to um, add to the history that the supervisors have had to develop new uh, plans and budgeting for new subjects and things that have happened before. We have homelessness, mental health that has increased. We have a need for housing, our transportation needs, and our climate change and sea level rises. These are all things that impact our county, but it's also impacted by our first responders. The additional personnel on our engines will help us be more effective as an engine company with more bodies, more hands to help these uh, um, our citizens. Again, we're gonna be asked to uh, enhance our vegetation and fire prevention management. We think it's also time to look at seriously increasing our staffing on our engine companies. As the demands for the county services have increased, so have the demands for our fire service. We have fire, medical, rescue, land and water. Uh, we respond to local and mutual aid uh, needs and to the state. We are also increasing our uh, staffing on red flag days uh, with strike teams that are up and down 101. In other agencies that are addressing the uh, staffing issues, currently Tiburon, Mill Valley. Mill Valley's uh, upstaffed their engine seven since last October or last August, September with a third person and hopefully uh, to get three new people on, bo on board there. And then with the consolidation of Central Marin, uh, they with Larkspur and Corte Madera have uh, a shared a services agreement with Kenfield and that has helped them bring on three additional bodies for the Station 15, the downtown Larkspur Station, which has not had three people. Again, I'm here today just to ask the board to plan and budget and implement a plan that'll increase our staffing. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who'd like to speak in open time? All right, seeing none. Matthew, I'm gonna come up, bring it back to you. Well, um, 
you know, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of a staffing study, and with that staffing study, we're going to be working with our labor representatives to share all the data and, and have them be part of this staffing study. Um, so we will be coming back to you, and I think this falls in the category of uh, a follow-up issue that we would speak to on Tuesday afternoon. Super. Great. Thank okay. you. Mm -hmm. All righty. So um, over the next couple minutes here, we're going to have each of our, um, our budget analysts come up and talk about um, the individual service areas and the type of budget changes that are there, as well as highlight some of the things that are in their um, budget work plans and any of the highlights over the last two years that um, were a call out for you. So we do have, you recall, we do have five service areas across the county, um, HHS, public safety, um, community development and public works, community services and administration and finance. And so to start it off here with HHS, um, I'll introduce Yvonne Shu, and she can take it from there. Good morning, Good Supervisors. Morning. I'm Yvonne Shu. I'm a budget analyst in the CAO. The Health and Human Services Service Area includes the five divisions in the Department of HHS. So this is as a service area as opposed to a department. As the largest service area in the county, these divisions deliver, coordinate, and administer a range of federal, state, and local programs that address the county's health and welfare needs. With over 70% of HHS's budget coming from state and federal funding for mandated services, the FY1920 proposed budget includes a revenue increase of $4.4 million from state and re federal revenue. Looking at the expenses, the increase of $8.5 million for FY1920 represents updates to salary and benefits of $7.5 million for both county employees and employees of community-based organizations, as well as baseline adjust adjustments of $1.0 million for mental health residential services, $190,000 for emergency shelter support, and $400,000 for implementation of the drug medical organized delivery system. Baseline adjustments also include increased costs for behavioral health and recovery services contracts. The net county cost increase of $4.1 million is largely due to $2.7 million in salary and benefit adjustments to the HHS operating fund and $1.4 million in the use of fund balance in the Mental Health Services Act Fund. HHS employees represent about one-third of the county workforce. The 1.5 decrease in FTE for FY1920 represents the year two budget reductions for HHS. Here are some of the highlights um, from the past year from HHS, and these include, as you already know, which is wonderful, um, that since 2017 and in conjunction with community partners, um, the chronic homelessness rate has been re reduced by 28%, um, and 128 chronically homeless residents have been housed. Uh, HHS has also established a forensic unit in behavioral health and recovery services to address the needs of people with mental illness in the jails. And uh, the last highlight I'd like to bring out is that HHS has hired an equity officer to help implement the HHS strategic plan to achieve health and wellness equity. And then looking ahead at the performance plan highlights for the coming year, uh, some of the highlights include expanding and enhancing capacity to provide evidence-based intensive treatment programs to individuals in custody, 
who are living with severe mental illness and or substance use disorders. Uh, developing plans to build that residential treatment capacity for people with severe mental illness. Ensure all Marin County in-home supportive services recipients and providers develop comprehensive disaster plans that address the needs of vulnerable populations. And finally, expand the whole person care program's care coordination system to provide real-time client-centered care across all safety net systems in Marin. So with that, that concludes the HHS overview. If you have any questions, we have people I, here I, from the department. As yes, well as I, have a, I have a question. Actually, I'm, I'm very interested in the second to the last bullet point that you just provided, which was ensuring that all Marin County in-home supportive services recipients and providers develop comprehensive disaster plans. Who's going to take the lead on developing those plans? How is this going to happen? And we might need Hi or someone to come up. I don't know. Yvonne, you want to take it? Um, I no. Defer to Hi. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> uh, will come up. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Carrie Bierman, Social Services. Um, thank you for that question. Would you move the microphone yes. a little closer? Thank you. So this will be a collaboration between social services and public health. We will be looking at a list of um, IHSS recipients who are especially needy in that area. So people with cognitive impairments, people with mobility issues, who would be specifically vulnerable in the event of a disaster, and working with them and their caregiver to provide funding, to provide disaster kits, um, and et cetera. That's super. Thanks okay. very much, yeah, Carrie. Thank you. Any other questions for our board? Seeing none, is there anyone from the public who would like to comment on this, that particular HHS overview? All right, seeing none. Thank you, Yvonne. Welcome. So the next service area we're going to go through is um, public safety. Um, and I'll turn it over to Melissa Crockett for that. Good morning, Supervisors. Melissa Crockett, Budget Analyst. And um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about public safety service area. Um, it's the second largest service area, uh, about 25% of the expenditure budget um, and 36% of net county costs. As you know, the departments include child support services, the DA's office, fire, probation, public defender, and the sheriff coroner's office. Um, revenues in the proposed budget are 76 million, and um, this is a $3 million increase from the current fiscal year, which represents a 4.2% change. Um, these are due to Prop 172 revised projections. As you might recall, Prop 172 is the half-cent sales tax for public safety. Um, also, Measure W tax revenues, um, then new agreements with the National Park Service and Ross Valley Fire, including those updated revenues, as well as um, CAL FIRE revenues for, for the fire department. Um, as far as expenses goes, as Brett mentioned, the l large um, or minimal um, decrease in expenses is because of uh, the drop-off of a one-time AB 109 expense of $2.5 million, and this was in realignment, um, for a total of $156,851,000, which um, represents uh, an increase of 727000 And the total net county cost um, is reduced by 2.8% due to this one-time drop-off. 
um, and for a total of $80 million. The FTE total of 670.30 uh, FTE is a reduction of 1.7 FTE, which um, has to do with the elimination of one deputy assigned to the Marin Municipal Water District. This was a contract reduction. Also, um, there was a couple budget reductions for probation and public defender's office in that. Just to give you some uh, highlights um, throughout the service area, um, you know, while there's a lot going on day to day, um, we're looking at just, this is not inclusive, of course. Um, so Marin County Fire is working with regional agencies to develop a countywide wildfire preparedness program. There's an enhanced partnership between fire and Marin County parks and open space to reduce fuels and create resilient landscapes. Uh, the, the public defender recently launched a text alert system to prevent clients from missing important court dates, and that was a collaboration with IST. The district attorney's office is focusing on community engagement and transparency. Also, uh, the probation department has completed the third year of providing restorative justice programming for their adult offender population and their offended victims, affected victims. Um, recent probation officer, officer supervision efforts have led to an 86% court probation completion rate. Uh, the Sheriff's Office continues to test its text 911 efforts with service providers. Introduction of tablets in the Marin County Jail for inmates um, to access educational content and allow for phone and video visitations. And also, the Sheriff's Office recently acquired a new use of force de-escalation simulator to allow for hundreds of different training scenarios for staff. And that is mine. Any questions? Thank you, Melissa. Any questions from the board? Okay, seeing none. This is good when you do it so well, you don't get any questions. <laughs> is there any public comment on this item? All right, seeing none. Good morning. Good morning, Supervisors. My name is Josh Swedberg. Uh, I'm going to talk with you about community development and public works. Uh, so this is the third largest service area in the county, and as you know, these departments do a lot of work. They do a lot of work on just, they run the gamut of issues. Every, every board agenda, they're doing different projects. Uh, projects from climate change adaptation, coordination with local agencies and residents, to road infrastructure repair, to working on improving affordable housing in the county. They, they do it all. So in terms of, in terms of the overall budget, uh, in terms of net county costs and use of fund balance, the increase from the previous year is less than 2%, so a minimal change. I think that partially represents the fact that much of the revenues and expenses, um, excuse me, much of the uh, revenues come from general fund, but also from special funds as well, in terms of cost-covered expenses. In, uh, more detail from the revenue, we have an increase of approximately $10 million from the previous year. Much of this comes from increased support for roads in the amount of $4 million. Uh, additional revenues for West Marin TOT as well, and then uh, as mentioned earlier, we've uh, we've added a new fund to account for uh, vehicle replacements, and so that's added revenue. How we account for that is more of a technical adjustment. In terms of expense, slightly larger increase of 10.3 million. Again, this comes from what we're spending on road structure, repair, maintenance, rehabilitation, as well as what we're spending in uh, West Marin. We've updated our uh, 
fee schedules, um, environmental services, building inspection, um, excuse me, yeah. Up, and, and so we're updating those costs as well. We've added costs for utilities, uh, keeping the lights on, keeping the trucks, trucks moving, all those are increasing. We've had increased costs from staff salaries, so um, updates as well. And the overall increased expenses uh, is approximately 330,000 um, accounting for revenues. We've had no change in FTEs since the previous year. This doesn't incorporate uh, what we've added through BCPs. And, uh, and yes, any questions on the overall budget? In terms of recent accomplishments, we've received grant funding to study flood risk and adaptation efforts along Highways 37 and Highways 1, as well as other road infrastructure projects across the county. We've completed Bay Wave Phase 2 and conducted a sea level rise workshop and progress report. We've begun construction on the new Tomas Bay Fire Station, and we've transferred an additional $4 million to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. We passed a just cause eviction ordinance and established a rental housing dispute resolution program. You can see a lot going on. In terms of uh, moving on to the next year, we are looking forward to uh, completing the acquisition of the Point Reyes Station Coast Guard housing site. We're looking forward to initiating a limited scope update to the countywide plan, including a focus on stream conservation ordinances. Uh, we've been talking a lot about single, the single-use ban, so we're looking to develop a program to regulate single-use utensils. Uh, we'd like to expand single-day and electronic permit reviews. Uh, DPW and uh, CDA are going to work collaboratively on the Structural Elevation Program, which is a really innovative program, as discussed earlier. And we have the census coming up, and so we need to begin conducting public outreach, getting uh, policies and processes and plans. It's a big, it's a big effort, so we're going to start working on that now. And then we're gonna continue climate change adaptation efforts. So Bay Wave Phase 3, Drawdown Marin, Sea Smart, all those have been going on for the past couple years. We're gonna continue working on them. We've added support um, across all three of those projects. And then lastly, we're planning on installing 24 new uh, electric vehicle charging stations across the county facilities. Any questions? Good work, Josh. I have one yeah. question. Supervisor Rice. Yeah, and Josh, I don't know that this is for you, but you might know the answer, but maybe someone else from CDA can come up. Um, I can't remember, but it's kind of top of mind for me right now. I believe that we are in the fairly near term going to be updating our climate action plan. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering, I don't know if that's part of this budget or not. I'm just wondering the timing of it. Oh, here comes Tom. Good morning, Supervisors. Tom Lai with CDA. Our current climate action plan is set for 2020. We will be looking at initiating the update, building on the work of drawdown, uh, probably the fiscal year after after next, Perfect. but we're preparing to do so this next fiscal year. <laughs> Thank you. It's always good to look ahead. Thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's nice to plan ahead. Coming from a planner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions from the board? All right, we're good. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Anna Raskusa. I'm a budget analyst in the county administrator's office. Um, and I'll be talking today about the community services uh, area. Um, so that this community service area includes um, ag agriculture weights and measures, 
uh, the Marin County Free Library, Cultural Services, the Marin County Parks, and the Farm Advisor. Uh, it represents 8% of the county budget. So some of the things that I wanted to highlight in terms of budget uh, is the fact that this uh, budget area includes uh, nearly $50 million in expenses this year for $48.5 million. Um, but only a portion of that is general fund dollars. So you can see that the net county cost is a little over $10 million in the proposed budget. 28% um, of this $48 million that we're expecting is um, coming from the general fund. And that is because some of the bigger departments and the bigger areas in this um, community service area are funded outside of the general fund. So those are the library measure A, which is funded mostly by property, um, by taxes, as well as the um, parks measure A. And so a lot of the funds and a lot of the budget appropriations coming um, in this area are not general fund dollars. Um, in terms of what's happening um, in the coming year in, in this community service area, we have some um, expected reductions in, uh, in revenues due to the elimination of the San Geronimo Fund. Um, and so you can see that that is a lot of where the reduction in revenues is coming from, um, as well as some um, changes in revenues associated with increases, expected increases in property taxes that the library will see, as well as um, sales taxes for parks. So a slight increase, as well as a slight decrease on the revenue side. Um, meanwhile, in terms of expenses, we have, um, like our other departments, um, the big change in terms of increased expenses is coming from salaries and benefits, reflecting um, uh, anticipated bargaining agreements, um, as well as planned use of fund balance for the Parks Measure A. So Parks, parks and Library as well are really focused on getting their Measure A dollars out into the community, and so you can see an increase on that side because they're spending the money that, um, in the way it's intended. Um, again, most of these um, increases are not associated with general fund dollars, so um, you'll see a, a slight um, decrease in the impact in terms of general fund um, with the, in this community service area. Overall, I think an uh, important thing to highlight, you can see this 22% in the, the far right column um, is the net county cost um, is increasing by 22%, but one, like I said, 1.8, that's $1.8 million. Only about 200,000 of those dollars are general fund dollars. So. Um, and once again, that 1.6, remaining $1.6 million is parks um, planned use of fund balance for Measure A. So um, it's a big increase, but it's a big increase in non-general fund dollars that are going to um, straight into the community. Um, so, so in terms of recent accomplishments, some of the things that we're excited to be talking about in terms of what these departments have done in the past two years um, are um, both on the parks and library side, a, a deepened focus on facilities and infrastructure. So I think we talked about that a little bit earlier in terms of um, deferred maintenance and thinking into the future about how we can leverage the funds that we have and plan in terms of the facilities that these departments um, rely on. Uh, another thing that's very exciting is uh, a really exciting focus on fees and equity in some of these departments. And so um, we've seen actually just kind of in the last couple of weeks that these, these um, changes got adopted, but they've been in conversation, we've been in conversation about these changes for uh, quite a while. So we can see that um, the Marin County Free Library eliminated their um, fines on materials returned after the due date, which is a long way of saying uh, eliminated late, late fees. Um, really exciting expansion of um, the work that they did in recent years around um, late fees for, for um, materials in the children's area. And so now that's a, it's a more broad. 
um, and that, that's with a focus on equity, so really broadening the population and the community that we're able to access and the way that we engage with the community, as well as um, similar reductions in parks and open space. So they were able to recently um, reduce their fees, the vehicle parking fees at three of, their, of the large popular parks in the community, and then also to entirely waive the pool fee at the McNears Beach Park. So um, the same thinking there is about mitigating the impact that fees have on access for the community and the, and the way that we engage with the community. So um, finally, an exciting thing is that the Marin County Arts and Cultural, Cultural Plan was adopted recently ahead of schedule. So it's um, Arts, Culture, Action in Marin, and that's something that cultural services has been focused on for the last few years in terms of um, being strategic and trying to advance the way that we um, further the arts within the community. Um, in terms of looking forward and uh, work plan, performance plan highlights for the coming two years, um, some of the things that we're thinking about, um, the libraries thinking about ways to expand um, and maximize opportunities like the one that we saw at the Northgate Mall in terms of the, the pop-up and how can we partner and how can we take advantage of those kinds of exciting new ways to engage. Um, the agriculture weights and measures is uh, enhancing the Marin Organic Certified Agriculture Operations, so that's something that we talked about a little bit earlier, the MOCA program um, associated with um, that with tax, the tax increase, uh, or tax increased tax revenue. Um, the agriculture weights and measures, as well as the farm department, our, our farm advisor are focused on the Japanese knotweed outreach and education. They're building on work that they've been doing for a long time in the community, really um, deep partner work that um, leverages kind of the partnerships within the community to engage and prevent uh, spread of the Jap Japanese knotweed. So the Marin County Parks and Open Space is partnering with Marin County Fire for fuel reduction. We've talked about that a little bit, and they're, they're also continuing to expand on um, vegetation managed work that they've been doing independently. So there's, there's kind of two pieces there in terms of mitigating fire hazards. And then finally, um, they're also focused on sea level rise adaptation. So two of the things that we'll see them um, work focused on this year are um, the conceptual design phase for the Bothan Marsh Mill Valley Sausalito Multi-Use Path. Um, as well as completing the environmental review for the McInnes um, Marsh Restoration Project. So, do we have any questions? Very good. Any questions from the board? All right. Seeing none. Any comments from the public? Seeing none. Great job. Thank you. She's back. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, Yvonne Shu, budget analyst again uh, with the CAO. I'm here to go over the overview for the administration and finance service area, uh, which includes nine departments that provide services to the county organization and the community, such as the assessor recorder county clerk and human resources. So looking at the budget for this service area, the $2.8 million increase in revenue reflects uh, the technical accounting change that's been referenced earlier. Uh, for internal service funds, with $2 million related to internal, internal charges and $750,000 related to long-term technology equipment replacement for computers and phones. The $2.8 million is now represented as revenue. So you'll see on the expense line, the expense line reflects this technical change um, and has increased as a result. This amount was previously re represented as contra amounts to the expenses, so the remaining 2.0 million in increased expenses is attributable to updated salaries and benefits, 
as well as pass-through costs for animal services, insurance, and when commons. The administration and finance service area has 360 total employees and the 1.0 FTE decrease that you see there for FY1920 represents a budget reduction for IST. So this is a lot of departments to cover highlights for, so I just listed some of them here um, over the past couple years. The, the one that you are probably most familiar with is launching the Marine Compass a new framework for countywide performance management. Um, we also fielded the resident survey, um, which provided the ability to compare results to national benchmarks for the first time. Um, an RFP was conducted for a new voting system. Uh, internet security training was provided countywide. The stretch assignment program was implemented to rousing success. Uh, the management academy was revamped to offer half-day courses for all levels of managers so that it's more um, accessible in terms of half-day courses. And finally, NeoGov was launched, which is the new applicant tracking system, which makes it an easier experience for potential employees of the county. And then looking ahead at performance plan highlights, um, a community workshop with the Board of Supervisors uh, to develop a countywide vision um, is, is top of the agenda as well as collaborating with other county entities to coordinate, plan, and leverage available broadband resources through the development of a digital infrastructure strategic plan. Um, implement new certified voting equipment in advance of the March and November 2020 elections. Implement a robust, robust onboarding process for employees to improve the new hire first year experience. Implement the Next Request Public Record Act software to manage public requests with pilot departments. And finally, increase the number of self-service and paperless options for the public and for county employees. And with that, any questions? Any questions from the board? Uh, yeah, yes, please, question. Supervisor Arnold. The, the NeoGov program, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. It is a new, it's an online system for potential um, employees for the county so they can look at the job listing and then do the application through an online oh, web portal okay. as opposed to paper and that kind of things. And then internally we can see the progress that the applicant is making through that application Great. process. Yeah. And, and I'm interested in hearing more about the digital infrastructure strategic plan. Okay. Well, we should probably have Liza come yes. up to yeah. that. <laughs> I will not address that. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Supervisors. Liza Massey, um, Information Services and Technology. Uh, as many communities uh, nearby and around the country, we all will be launching a community-wide effort, not just for the county of Marin, but also cities and towns citizens, um, school, law enforcement, where we look at what digital infrastructure we have now, the fiber, um, Wi-Fi, other things around the counties and the cities, and then look at planning for the future. We have questions um, around 4G, 5G. We have underserved areas in West Marin that we've been able to get some grant funds for and um, are passing an additional 700 homes now with broadband. 
there are other efforts that are going on and we need to come together and look at those. I'm happy to report that San Rafael has received funding and they're also moving forward in a strategic plan effort and are already committed to working with us. So it'll be a series of activities from internal um, meetings and discussions with CDA and others to community meetings. And so the funding before you is to hire a consulting firm to assist with that. Um, we're also looking at counties near us. Uh, Sonoma has done a plan similar to this. Um, and so with all those activities, it's good for us, but it also sets us up uh, in a better position to get more grant funding from uh, the federal government. So we have had a multi-county effort on broadband that Supervisor Rigoni is very familiar with. So is this sort of taking advantage of, those, of that work and, and, and building it further, taking it further, or making it more local, or? Yes, it is. Um, the four counties have been very successful in securing grant funding. We just, uh, your board just approved us to apply for a new grant as the uh, North Bay, North Coast Broadband Consortium. Thank you for um, remembering that title, I could not. <laughs> I have practiced. Um, and that is through the California Public Utilities Commission. If successful, uh, we would receive approximately $32,000 a year in addition to this funding to support the strategic planning effort. Great. Super, thank you. All right, thank much. you. All right, any other questions from the board? I think we're good. Thank you, Yvonne. You're, You're in charge of a lot of different analytical work. I'm not work. personally responsible for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's the end of our formal presentation. Um, we're certainly, we threw a lot of information at you, and we're happy to answer any other questions. One thing I was just going to point out a few, as I listened this morning, a few follow-up issues that I think we would highlight tomorrow afternoon is, one, the work we're doing with the fire agencies on the countywide wildfire prevention. That's something we're going to be reporting back to you over the next few months. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the fire staffing study is something that would be a follow-up issue. Um, Supervisor Conley has also talked to myself as well as the library director about the Marin History Museum and, and looking at some of their issues and seeing how the county could play a role in that. So that I think that could be a follow-up issue for Tuesday as well. I did want to report out a couple follow-up issues that came at our April workshop. One was the Youth Leadership Institute and requesting additional support. And what this budget recommends is taking the um, $40,000 worth of base support that we provided in the past, increasing the base support to $50,000, and then also providing a $25,000 matching fund to encourage additional fundraising. So the total support will go up to $75,000. That's the way it's proposed in this year's budget. The other item that came up in April is the sheriff public information staffing. And what is proposed in this budget is a two-year uh, sergeant position where half of it would be paid from the general fund and half of it would be paid from the sheriff trust fund. And then at the end of that two years, we would reevaluate that effort. So, so those are two um, follow-up issues from April that I wanted to report out that we didn't speak to earlier. Great. Super. Thank you. That's helpful. Yeah, I just, um, maybe we can do it offline. So sort of the scope of what that that new communications piece is, person is, their responsibility, and how it sort of um, dovetails with our own piece here, the work Lainey does, and other communications, I'd appreciate that picture, because I'm just hearing lots of requests from out in the community for 
around communications, but so, um, mostly around uh, emergency preparedness, not just the warning side of things, but also the, the community outreach and education. Yeah, I'll be happy to follow up with you. Yeah. Supervisor Arnold. Thank you. <coughs> um, we had mentioned in the earlier budget hearings looking at uh, preschool and daycare. Is there anything you'd like we can yeah, report? There's some, you know, we have followed up on that, and actually on our agenda tomorrow, we're going to be having an item that would delegate to me the authority to apply to the state for that pilot program around child care slots and with the idea of, as you recall, one of the challenges Marin has is that um, the cost of child care slots is not adequately funded by the state. And to mm -hmm. some extent, we leave money on the table because, mm -hmm. you know, we can't fill those slots at that rate. Mm -hmm. There's a, a mechanism that allows us to apply for a pilot that would allow us to adjust our reimbursement rates with the money that's left on the table. Sure. And so that's what we're working with the um, Child Care Council, Mary Jane Burke, to apply for those grants. And once we apply for that pilot, we're going to need our board's help and our legislators help to get that approved but if if we get that approved that would be a, a really you know a big advantage for us as far as trying to provide Sounds those good. child care slots so we are working on that thank you mm -hmm. great super yeah. any other questions so, so thank you for the overview i think it set us up really well for tomorrow uh, we all have a little bit of kind of recollection and homework and organization to do in our brains i think before we can finalize for tomorrow but Great job, everyone. And uh, in alignment with the previous workshops, it was great hearing more voices presenting today. That was that was terrific. That's been good through this entire budget process. And good so job. glad to see it again. Good job, everybody. It's really fun to, <laughs> to speak in public. You're going to get to love it. <laughs> um, so we will see you back at 1.30 tomorrow afternoon. And uh, Matthew, I didn't. Know, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about one of the other good things that I think we're doing is aligning with our flood control district budget and the parks and open space. That's budget. right. Tomorrow, so tomorrow afternoon, we'll start off with the open space budget as well as the flood control budget. Then we'll hear about the rest of the special district budgets as well as DPW presenting the Super. CIP, uh, which is capital improvement plan for roads and it's facilities. It's always daunting. Yes. Yeah. Super. And then it'll be a wrap. All right. Yep. So I'll see you tomorrow at 1.30. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.